0: Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe.
1: San So you see a brother, it it will bend with me here now. It's gonna be nice. We're gonna sing, right? Can you all rise? Pressure is getting worse and worse. So, as we are doing worship today, I felt the need, actually, to ask God, what exactly does he want to do in our lives today? And God said to me that if there's freedom in Christ, then there's healing in Christ as well. And I was like, but God, (laughs) that's not my servant for today, right? And God said to me, there's someone in this house today that has been struggling with their left left foot. And they've been asking God for this healing. And God is saying today that you're healed. Amen. So if you're in this house today, and you're struggling with either one of your foot, or any of your legs, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand.
2: Impiloyam geyako kliziyoyam geyako uhamboloa 고, 루아코, 곤 게, 곤 게, 고, 구아코, 게 희지 요야, 게 야코, 오한 루아, 고, 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 Impiloya loya, fizioya, fizioya, uhambo lwa, uhambo lwa, konke konke konke.
1: For those that raise their hands, please come to the front. Let's pray with you. Father, we thank you that you're in this place tonight. Father, we thank you that you're still a healer even in our generation. Father, we thank you that you're a healer even in our generation. Lord, here are your people. Your word says that in you we are healed. For you died on the cross so that we may be healed, O oh God. So, Father God, here are your people saying we are tired of this sickness. Father God, here are your people saying we are ready to be healed by you. Father God, you're in this place tonight. And we know, Father God, that when you are here, there is healing. For there's
2: healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this healing. Father God, we thank you. Father God, we thank you for this healing. Father God, we are your people. And there's liberty and there's freedom
1: in you, oh God. Father God, we thank you that there is healing in this house tonight. Father God, we thank you for each person that has raised their hand to say, Lord, we're ready to be healed by you. We receive this healing, Father
2: God, in the name of Jesus. We receive this healing from you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. For there is power in the
1: name of for the blood that was shed on Calvary, for us each and every one of them, O oh God, Father God, we thank you. Amen. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, good evening, church. God is good, amen. So there's one thing that I've realized that the only touch of crazy in this service is me being here tonight. I'm joking. <laughs> so this is our last Sunday of the last Sunday of the series, the Galatians. Guess who's closing me? God is good. Amen. And the last service for the year, for this service, for the five o'clock service. It's said because I'm going to miss every one of you. Okay, those that I know. If I don't then we're going to get to know each other today. Then I'll probably miss you, yeah? Amen. Amen. So, last Sunday, Pastor Lerick was preaching and was talking about sons and slaves. And I feel like there was a great opening for tonight, our message. Because there's no way that you'd be able to receive what is of the sons if you're a slave. And what I really liked about that message is that if you're given a contract, it doesn't matter how hard you work, you're going to be paid according to the contract. But if you are a son, it doesn't matter how hard you don't work, you just have to grow up and be mature, and the inheritance is yours. So this for me says that I do not have to do it with my own strength, because my own strength is actually limiting me to exactly what the enemy wants me to receive. Amen. Did I greet you guys? Okay. Don't want to be rude, you know. So, when you're a son, you understand that everything in your father's house belongs to you. If you're a slave, you know that everything in the master's house is for the sons. Therefore, you need to work hard so that the sons would actually get the inheritance from your labor. Otherwise, you get fired. So I don't want us to be a people that would stand and say, I'll work as hard as I can with my own strength, because then you're disqualifying yourself from what God wants to do in your life. Amen. So we're going to read Galatians 5, verse 1 to 6. Uh, So this is our anchor scripture. We're going to read together because this is our last Sunday together. So let's have fun. Yeah? I'm going to say 1 to 1 I'm joking. So we're going to do it like we're doing the offering declaration. Yeah? Awesome. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ cannot help you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey all the regulations in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been... Ca- you have from God's grace. Verse 5. But... Amen. So when we read the first verse in Galatians, right, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So I have a few questions for you. Who has Christ set free? Guys, we're going to talk tonight. It's your last night. Who has Christ set free? Okay. Who is this freedom for that um, Paul is talking about? Who should stand firm? Who should not submit again to the yoke of slavery? But whose responsibility is it? Is it Is it all of us or my responsibility? Is it all of us or my responsibility? Is it all of us or my responsibility? That's better. So I think what Apostle Paul was trying to say here is that, look, it's all good that you have received this word. You've been saved. You you received Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's all good. It's beautiful. But then you cannot continue listening to everything that is happening around you. That is going to take you back to where you were. Because if Christ is setting you free, that's your responsibility to stay free. Christ is not going to sit, set you free and, then, and still stand behind you and make sure that you're still free. is your responsibility. Salvation is your responsibility. As soon as you receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, it's up to us, therefore, to do what? To stand firm. It's not somebody else's responsibility to run after us, to say, hey, are you still standing in Christ? Yeah. Amen. Because then we are not responsible for the salvation that we've received. And when you stand, what I've learned about me as a person, right, is that you can never stand alone as well. Because you've been called into community. Amen. And if you want to stand on your own, it's good for you. But only through Christ and community you're able to stand. Because you did not call yourself. You did not die on the cross for yourself. You did not set yourself free. Therefore, you cannot stand on your own and by yourself and through your own strength and knowledge. Amen. So who should not submit again to the yoke of slavery? It's us, right? So now, it's easy for us to be entangled to the things that excite us. It's very easy. It's easy for us to actually decide what salvation looks like for ourselves. It's easy to say, hey, I hear what you're saying, but at least I am not doing this. But what Paul is saying here is that, look, it's all good that you think that you can do it on your own, but you can't, right? But also the biggest thing that Paul is saying here is saying that there is no substitute for salvation. And if you are to find a substitute for salvation, the Bible says it's death. But also what Paul is saying here is that there is no... What he's saying is, is that there is... So when we talk about salvation, right, you receive Christ, you saved, he died on the cross for your sins, it's all good, you know about that, right? But also what he's saying is that you cannot decide what salvation looks like for yourself there's no way that you would do this tiny sin and then you say, at least I am not fornicating. Because the Bible says that we've all fallen short of God's glory, right? But then if we think of ourselves as a people that are governed by the law of Moses, then we start falling away from what God is trying to do in our lives. Because we find ourselves running back to the same thing that Christ has set us free from. Amen. Amen. So how do you appropriate this freedom? John 8, 36 says, if a son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And you're it by believing and receiving the full work of Jesus Christ, death and resurrection. Anything outside that is a lie. No Christ, no cross, no blood, no salvation. Amen. Don't be sad, guys. Okay, it's fine. So, I brought my Bible because I'm trying to be relevant. So, I'm going to read Romans 7, verse 1. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only to a person who is still living? Let me illustrate. When a woman marries... The law binds her to her husband as long as the husband is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So this is the point. The law no longer holds you in power because you died in its power when you died with Christ on the cross. And now you are united with the one who is raised from the dead. As a result, you can produce good fruit, that is, good deeds for God. When we are controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law arose these evil desires and produced evil deeds, resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law for we died with Christ and we are no longer captive to its power. Now we can really serve God not in an old way by obeying the letter of the law but in the new way by the Spirit. So what Paul was saying here to the church in Rome and he was actually saying that everything that you know Everything that, they, that you have and every understanding that you have of the law is actually keeping you captive. Knowing the law by itself is not enough because that's the very reason why Christ died on the cross. Understanding the law and following the law and doing everything that the law says is actually keeping you captive because therefore everything that Christ did on the cross then doesn't have power anymore. Amen. So verse 2 of Galatians chapter 5 says, Listen, I, Paul, I tell you. Sorry. So Paul here, when he's saying listen, he's trying to make sure that we're actually paying attention to him, right? right. It's like, yo, listen. I, Paul. Why do you guys think that he has that authority to say listen to me? I, Paul. Okay, it's not at last, okay. So, I believe that when Paul was saying this, it was because it's chapter 5, right? So, in chapter 1, he actually said, when he was writing, he said that I was called by God and Jesus revealed himself to me. Not a man, but Jesus, right? So, which means that everything that a man speaks if it's not of God, Paul will be the first one to actually catch it. Because Paul received the word directly from God. He received the revelation directly from Jesus. And at this time, he was seeing that the church is being led astray because people are now forcing the church back to the old origin of the laws. So Paul is saying, hey, before it gets too late, I'm going to write a letter to you. Before you lose your salvation, I'm going to write a letter to you. Before you are sent back to slavery, I'm going to write this letter to you. Because I want you to be free of these laws, and I want you to maintain the salvation that you received through Christ Jesus. Amen. We're going to do better. Amen. 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 Okay, that's better. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ cannot help you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey all the regulations in the whole law of Moses. So we, we realize and find out that there's 613 Jewish commandments, right? So now what Paul is saying here is, are you going to choose 613 commandments that you need to live by, or you need, you're going to choose just one thing that cancels all the 613. Choose for yourself are you going to choose 613 Jewish commandments over grace? And the Bible also says that if you break just one of these 613, you've broken them all. So therefore, are you able to keep all the 613? I think also what Paul was trying to say here is that God has not called us so that we have the ability to brag before people. Because when you're able to to do all the 613, then you can stand proud of yourself and say, hey God, I'm the best thing ever, I can do it on my own. So now Paul is saying 613 over one, choose. Let's try again. What do you choose as a church tonight? Wine. If it was money, what were you going to choose? Grace. <laughs> grace. Also, what Paul is saying here is that we need to recognize our ways of thinking. Because there's a lot of things that have broken us as a people. There's churches that have broken us as a people because everyone was taking us out of grace into the Jewish commandments again. A lot of us, we are broken by people that are saying you cannot dress like that in church, you cannot speak like that in church, you cannot be friends with those kind of people, you cannot do this, you cannot do that, but Jesus died for all of those things. So now we need to think for ourselves, are we going to do what Jesus has done on the cross for us and just choose one thing which is grace or are we going to listen to everyone around us and be broken? Are we going to contaminate the gospel and feel like the gospel is too heavy for us because we have to do all these laws? As Lord are we going to feel like we're <clears throat> born again? Let me live it. Right. Let me live it. And we need to repent of our old ways. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So whatever thinking that we had before we came to Christ, we need to subject it under the authority of the word. Whatever thinking that we have allowed and adopted throughout, the, throughout our church life, we need to subject it under the authority of the word. Whatever mentor, disciple, leader has told you that it's not in line with the word of God, you need to subject it under the authority of the word. Because salvation is our responsibility. And therefore, all we do and everything around us, we need to subject it to the authority of the word. Amen. So, verse 4 says, For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen off from God's grace. So what, God, what Paul is saying here is that if you still want to continue being a slave, it's fine. Continue therefore, but just know that there's no inheritance for you in the kingdom. If you're not continue with the law and doing what excites you, if you're not continue living in sin, if you're not continue living outside the covenant of grace, just know that all you're doing is being a slave to the master and your master will lead you to sin and sin leads to death. Amen. So, I pray that none of us would actually allow ourselves to move further away from God's grace. I pray that we will recognize and realize and be able to rebuke the old thinking patterns. Because otherwise... We are cut off. And when we die, we go to heaven, hopefully, or judgment day, and God is like, "Like, hey, God, remember me? I was saving well. I was worshiping. I was preaching. I was doing all these kind of things. And God is going to say, I don't know you. Because the law cut you off from Christ. You can have a good resume that you're going to present to God and God will look at it and be like, you did well for yourself, but not for the kingdom and not for our relationship. Because God hasn't called us to be a perfect people. God hasn't called us to be a people that are able to break about certain things, but God has called us so that we can be in relationship with him. And what I've seen uh, with this as well is that if you pay too much attention to the law than grace, then even the gifts and callings in your life, they are not being fully utilized. Because God right now is going to say, stand up and pray for the second person next to you. And what's going to come to your mind is, what did I do last week? So now the kingdom of God is suffering because you are holding on to the law. And God is saying, hey, let's have a relationship. I want you to be my son. I want to walk this journey with you. I want you to celebrate this life with me. I want you to tell you things that I've never told someone before. But because you've been living this lie that law would permit you, would allow you to be in the presence of God, then you're going to miss all that. And then our Christian life, it's a lie. When you cut off Christ, then you're not a Christian. So which means that everything that you do Inside the church, outside the church, reaching out to people might be good for the kingdom, but not good for you. Because God will still use you, but you won't have a relationship with the Father. That's why the Bible says that you say, Lord, Lord, but I have prophesied in your name and people, and God will still say, Here. Thanks for doing that, but I don't know you. Amen. Exactly where with the employer, right? There's too many people that are employed, they have contracts but the boss doesn't know them. But that doesn't mean that they're not moving the company forward. But only those that have the relationship with him are able to access things that are due to them. Amen. So also, every day of our lives, as we live, we need to be able to think and pray and say, God, help me receive grace to live the gospel truth. Because it's easy for us to step out of it. There's too many voices around us. There's too many things that are happening around us. But we need to remember that, hey, this is the law, and this is grace. This requires my strength, and this requires me to submit it unto God. And when I submit it unto God, may it stay there until God gives it back to me. Amen. So 5 and 6 says, For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, it makes no difference to God whether we are circumcised or not circumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. So what Paul is saying here is that our relationship with God isn't about anything else but about Christ, Jesus. So what he's saying again is that, look, all you need is faith in Christ Jesus. And with that, everything else around you would move and would change. Amen. Amen. If I see you falling asleep, I'm shaking. So I'm going to read um, Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 1-2. Yeah. It says, Now therefore, there's no condemnation to those who are, Christ, who are in Christ Jesus. For the power of life-giving Spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent his own son in human body like ours, except that his was not sinful. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the requirements of the law would be fully accomplished for us, who no longer follow a sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by a sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about the things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It, ne- it never did obey God's laws, and it will never. That's why those who are still that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. but you are not controlled by the sinful but you are not controlled by the sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. So what Paul is saying here, he's saying that only grace can save you. Only the blood of Jesus can save you. He's actually saying regardless of how much you think you can keep the law, you will never That's the very same reason why God had to send Jesus to die on the cross for us. Because he realized that regardless of how many laws and regulations are out there, a man cannot do it on his own. Because a man's sinful nature just wants to sin. A man's sinful nature just wants to see how far can I go with this law until I break it. But God was like, hey, listen, I love you so much. And I'm going to send my only son to die on the cross for your sins. So my question for you tonight is, what are you going to do to preserve this gift that God has given you? What are you going to do to live in that freedom? What are you going to do to make sure that the freedom that was given to you by Christ keeps you safe and closer to God. Father, we thank you that you're good. We thank you that you're an awesome God. We thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross for our sins. And we thank you that your people love you and they are yours. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name.
0: Amen. We're doing a bit of a tag team tonight. Well done, Neo. That was awesome. So, carrying on. Neo did such a good job of talking about living in freedom and uh, preserving freedom. But we're going to talk a little bit about how do we run in freedom going ahead. And Galatians 6 verse 7 to 10 says this. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? And so I quickly did some math sitting in the front there as Noah was talking, and I realized I got born again in 19... 87, (laughs) somewhere around September. Yeah, some of you are, what? (laughs) The 80s was real? (laughs) So that's about 35 years, right? And what I can tell you is absolutely true, is that no matter how long you are a Christian, when you are running well, when you are pushing into Jesus, when it's glorious and amazing, Even in those moments, a hindrance will come your way. It absolutely will come your way. And in this context, a hindrance is something that literally slaps you back. (laughs) You're running, you're going well, and then something happens and you're just put back. You're delayed, you're held back, you're you're made less than you were just two minutes before. That's a hindrance, right? Right? something you can't get over, something you can't just push through. And obviously, if you have been reading the book of Galatians with us, in their context, the, the hindrance was these Jewish Christians who came to them a little while after Paul had left them, after establishing a solid foundation in the one true gospel of Jesus Christ. And these Jewish Christians said to them, it's good that you believe Jesus is the Messiah. But you know what? You need to keep the full law, as Neo has done such a good job of proving to us. You need to be circumcised. You need to eat kosher. You need to keep all 613 laws that we say are good. If you do that with Jesus, then you're fine. And so these Galatians were running well, and in a moment, a hindrance came. And the problem with the Galatians, and I hope it's never going to be a problem for you and I, is that they believed it. And so when I look at the the hindrances, I realize that there are hindrances that come to us in two ways. There are hindrances that come to us externally, just like I've described. We hear somebody giving a very persuasive argument, and we start thinking, oh, that's right. Oh, wow. Okay, yes. And it's not long, and we're striving to live up to that standard rather than what Jesus has asked us to do, which is hide our lives in him and to let him be our salvation. You know, sometimes I hear really persuasive teaching that, you know, God is so good. Every human being on this planet has a gift. Look at the person next to you and say, hmm, you've got amazing gifts. Now look at yourself and go, hmm, you got amazing gifts. (laughs) Because it's true. But there are people out there who have a gift of teaching, a gift of preaching that is God-given. But they use it to forward their own opinion. They use it for their own agenda. And I have been tricked because the gift is so persuasive that I've thought they're speaking the truth. That is an external hindrance. The second kind of hindrance is internal. It's when my own mind and my own heart and my own desires start whispering to me. Start saying things like God is holding out on you. Start saying things like God's got favorites. Start saying things like, well, I hear what the pastor's saying, but you know, I think this. And you know where that comes from? It comes from our human need. We need love. We need belonging. We need acceptance. We need purpose, but we don't know. We are so damaged and hurt and broken on the inside. We don't know how to go for it in healthy ways, so we start making things up. As I've been listening to Neo, this revelation came to me: Neo, that what Neo is talking about, what this whole thing about, is Jesus at the center of the gospel, or am I? That's the bottom line. And there's no 10% me and 90% Jesus. There just isn't. And so sometimes the hindrance comes from myself. And I put myself in the middle of the gospel. That's going to end badly. Now the good news is that the same uh, solution exists for both of these problems. The external hindrance and the internal hindrance. And it is really Simple, it is knowing the truth of God. John's eight, John 8.32 says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is the active verb there? That's correct. You shall know the truth. It's not you shall read the truth. It's not you shall highlight the truth on you version. It's not you will take the truth and turn it into a pretty picture and put it on Instagram. Do all of those things. But none of that is going to set you free. What is going to set you free? Knowing the truth. And knowing the truth is not an academic thing. Knowing the truth is understanding how I have to live the second I understand the truth. Knowing the truth is what is it going to cost me right now to live like what I just read is true. See, that is the truth that sets you free. Can I set some of you free tonight? Freedom is inherent in the gospel. When you put up your hand and said, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior, you were free. Freedom is not this magic thing when we've read 17 hours of Bible or we've worshiped enough or we've fasted enough that we suddenly miraculously find freedom. Can I tell you, freedom is the fruit of living in righteousness. Righteousness and you can only live in righteousness because Jesus is your righteousness. Deception, bondage is the fruit of living in lies. Are you getting it tonight? I wanna stand here and I wanna confess to you that there are times in my life, even right now I realize there is some bondage in my life because I believe lies. There's nothing wrong with the gospel you are free. If it doesn't feel like it, or if you're seeing bondage in your life, it's because you're believing lies. When I believe the truth, I am free. The problem is some of us don't know the truth. Right in the beginning of the series, I I had the privilege of preaching from chapter one, and Paul started off by saying grace and peace to you in Christ Jesus. My revelation from that little phrase was, we have grace and peace. Why don't I feel like it's there? It's like, imagine if every single gift you got, you just looked at it. You thought, man, this is so beautifully wrapped. This gift is amazing. And you went and opened a room in your house and you put your gift in that room. And every time people came over for dinner, you showed them your gift room. And 50 years later, there were 2,000 beautifully wrapped gifts in your gift room. And you died without opening one of them. We would think you were stupid. (laughs) But that is how we are with Jesus. I know that's how I've been with him. The gift is mine. It has my name on it. It is signed and sealed and done. But I won't receive it. And this is what Neo was teaching us. When I put myself at the center of the gospel, I make up a standard that I think I can reach. And then I strive and strive and strive for it because all I want to do is tick the box. Because what Jesus asked me to do is difficult. He asked me to trust him. Not a little bit, but completely and utterly with every last thing I am. That is hard. It's okay if you're struggling with that. It just means you're human. But we have to make the decision that either he is in the center of the gospel or I am. He will not share the glory. He's not being mean. He's not being rude. He's not offended. But if I step into a place that only he can, can stand in, I push him out. What I really do is just push myself away. He doesn't go anywhere. I'm the one who's moving. And I can live as a Christian. I can live saved, but in bondage and in fear and in terror and in heartache and in frustration and anger with God all the time, But his goodness is right there in my gift room. His grace and his mercy is available. That's what Paul means when he says a little leaven leavens the whole lamp. Leaven is yeast. And he's making a picture. I actually went and read, like, why is that true? Well, it's true because the second you add the tiniest bit of yeast to bread dough, it begins to feed on the sugars in the bread dough, and it releases carbon dioxide. And that's what makes bread rise. Aren't we grateful for that? If all we did was eat flat bread, life would be really boring. But the issue of it is it doesn't matter how little yeast you put in dough, you cannot get it out. It's an imperfect analogy because praise God we can change our minds. <laughs> we can redirect our hearts. <laughs> so it's not an eternal thing, well until one day when it is, but let's not worry about that right now. But the point is is that once yeast is added, it, it doesn't matter whether it's just this much, it affects the entire loaf. The whole chemical structure changes. And for you and I, this listen to what I'm saying. When we put ourselves in the gospel, we're raising a standard that we think we can keep. Do you know how I know I've done that? And I'm using a really stupid example. Is when I look and go, hmm, the is watching two hours of Netflix a night. I only watch half an hour. And it's not long. And every time somebody tells you they're watching Netflix, you're like, oh, Jesus. Have mercy on their sinful souls. And here's what starts happening. You start making Netflix the issue. Why are you doing that? Because a little way down the road, you're not thinking about your adultery. You're not thinking about your fornication. You're not thinking about your pride, your arrogance, your lack of love. All you're thinking about is Netflix. You see what's happened? You've put yourself at the center of the gospel because Netflix is the issue. We are the church of no Netflix. And to be part of the church, of, that, of this church, you must not watch Netflix. And if you do, you have no part with Christ. You know what I'm talking about. Neo alluded to it. I have been in churches where the biggest problem in the universe is women wearing makeup in church. And I'm looking at that church going, this is why you have no relevance, no power, nothing. You've put yourself at the center of the gospel. You have made one issue the issue, which isn't even an issue because you misquote scripture, and that's because you want to hide all the nonsense that's happening in your life. All of us are prone to that. And so every one of us have to come to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to him alone, and go, we will never be good enough. And we're not even going to try. But you are amazing. You are incredible. You are full of grace and peace and love and joy and glory, and it can be mine. And when we fail, we just run straight back there. What sets you free? Knowing the truth. I love that your son asked you that question. It's such a beautiful illusion. Because we talk about the truth. The Word of God is living. It's Jesus. Jesus embodied the Word of God. He is truth. It is truth. They work like this. If you are reading the Bible without Jesus being present, you're doing it wrong. Because when you read the Bible, it reads you back because it's him. How does it read you back? That conviction. Greg, stop worrying about Netflix. Deal with your own issue. Stop worrying about Netflix. Tell me about that lady you're looking at. Stop worrying about Netflix. Why are you so upset about your brother? That's how you know it's a living word. And the point is not other people. The point is, Lord, you are right. I am less than who you are. And that's okay because you're going to come and set me free because I am free. What I know for sure tonight, if there is bondage in your life, it's because you're believing a lie. And you don't have to go for deliverance. And you don't have to do anything. What you need to do is look at Jesus. And if there's leaven, if there's any yeast in your heart, you just put it out. We are not loaves of bread. We can make choices and decisions. It is not eternal. Is just making sense to you guys. And I want to say it again. You are free. You're not becoming free. You're not waiting to be free. You are free. Otherwise, Jesus is lying. And Paul says there, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. Paul, this doing Galatians has given me such a conviction. Paul absolutely knows the gospel works. He is so utterly convinced of it. His entire life, every decision, every choice is based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why he wrote almost all of the New Testament. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. And tonight, some of us need to get honest with ourselves and say the one who is troubling me is me. It is not the devil. The one who is troubling is me. And what Paul is saying is if we will come back to the gospel, we can look at whatever is troubling me and we can give it the penalty it deserves. Get out of here. We can give it the penalty it deserves and say only Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Not the tiny little bit I think I can do. But everything that he is. And So just sit with your eyes closed for a moment and just think to yourself, Start telling yourself, I am free. And when when rebellion comes in your own heart, when something's pushing back, just keep telling it, I am free. And Lord Jesus, as we say this, would you show us the lies we believed? Would you show us where we're trying to put ourselves at the center of the gospel so we can live up to a standard you haven't even made for us? Because only Jesus is the standard. And God, where we've made little things such a big religious issue, Help us to put those things aside, God. We want you, <laughs> Whatever, whoever the one who is troubling us, God, let, that, let it bear the penalty right now, Lord. That it has no part of us, that it is not part of us, that we give it away. None of us deserve your salvation, but you have given it freely. You have given it freely. You have given it graciously. And Holy Spirit, would you come now in every heart and just bring a fresh assurance. We have assurance of the finished work of Jesus Christ. We have assurance of salvation because it is done. It is finished. It is 100% completed. Nothing, Nothing left for us to do Lord, except to believe and to receive. Father God, wherever we've, we've got a gift room in our heart, Lord, we, we want to run in there like little three-year-olds on Christmas Day and rip open every one of those presents and play with them hard, Lord Jesus. We don't, we don't want to pretend that we don't have what you've already given us. It's a gift. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Now, where you are, try and receive freedom. <laughs> I don't know how we do that. But Lord, let us receive freedom. It's ours. It's ours. It's ours, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So if you, if you need prayer tonight, the uh, prayer team is going to be up the front. The ministry team and prophetic team are going to be up the front. Don't leave without coming for prayer if you need it. If you need to recommit your life to Jesus, come and do it. If you need to recommit yourself to the gospel of Jesus Christ, just come and do it. You don't actually need somebody to pray for you to do that. You can just come down and do it. And make a choice tonight that you're going to, Pull yourself out of the gospel and just let it be about Jesus. For all of us, Lord, that's what we want. That's what we want. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's just give neighbor a hand again for his faithfulness. So good.